بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the battle of Uhud and how the Muslims from the beginning of the battle they had the upper hand and it seemed like the Muslims had locked up victory within the first few moments of the battle the Muslims were able to kill the flag bearers of the kuffar one by one to the extent that the flag was on the ground and none of the kuffar were picking that flag back up so the kuffar started to flee the battlefield and this was very early on in the battle so it looked like a great victory similar to the victory that they had had the year before at Badr so with the kuffar fleeing the Muslims started to collect the spoils of the war and as we mentioned the Prophet had stationed 50 archers on a small hill and that was basically the only weak area where there could be some penetration of the kuffar if the area was left unguarded on the other sides the Muslims had the big mountain of Uhud around them but there was that one side where there was no protection so the Prophet ﷺ had stationed 50 archers on that hill to keep that side secure as well. So when it looked like the Muslims had won the battle very early on, the people or those archers on that hill, they started to leave and they wanted to join the rest of the army in collecting the spoils of the war. But the Prophet ﷺ had given them very strict instructions beforehand not to leave their positions until the Prophet ﷺ gives them instructions to leave their positions. The Prophet ﷺ told them, if we win and we are collecting the spoils of the war, don't join us. If we have lost and you see that we are being defeated by the kuffar, don't help us. Stay in your positions. That is your job. And do not leave those positions until you have the order from Rasulullah that you are allowed to leave those positions. But when it looked early on as if the Muslims had won the battle and the battle was over and the kuffar were actually fleeing the battlefield, most of the archers on this hill, they thought that, okay, the battle is over. So we can leave our positions now and we can join the rest of the Muslims in collecting the spoils of the war. Abdullah ibn Jubair radiallahu an, he was the leader of those archers. He was the one who was in charge of those 50 archers on that hill. And he reminded them of the order of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Remember your Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told you not to leave your positions no matter what you see. Whether you see victory, whether you see defeat, whatever you see, do not leave your position until you get explicit instructions from the Prophet ﷺ to do so. But the majority of those archers, they said to Abdullah, they said, look, it's over. You can see that it's over. The kuffar, they're fleeing the battlefield. It's done. 
So those instructions were for the time of the battle. But now the battle is over, so we can leave. So only 10 archers stayed on that hill and 40 of them left. And they joined the rest of the army in collecting the spoils of the war. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, as we mentioned, he was in charge of a cavalry of 200 horsemen. And throughout this battle, he was just looking for an opportunity to infiltrate the Muslim army. He was looking for an opportunity, but he didn't find an opportunity up to now. The mountain was surrounding the Muslims from the back and from the side. And on the other side, there were those 50 archers on that hill. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, he had nowhere to come with his cavalry to attack the Muslim army. So he kept looking and he was observing the whole time to find any area where he could come through. But up to that point, he couldn't find anything. But when those archers left the hill, then Khalid ibn al-Walid saw his opportunity. Now Khalid ibn al-Walid, he was a military genius. And this is a talent that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. It's not like he studied war and it's not like he had extensive military training or anything like that. No, this was just a talent that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Khalid ibn al-Walid. And there is no one in Muslim history who was a better military general than Khalid ibn al-Walid except Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as you will see, was actually a better military commander than Khalid ibn al-Walid. And you could see from these instructions that he gave his Sahaba, you could see the great military mind that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had. He chose that position, that location for the battle. He is the one who commanded for those archers to stay on that hill. So you see that the Prophet ﷺ is very, very intelligent with regards to military strategy. And if they had followed the instructions of the Prophet ﷺ, Khalid ibn al-Walid would not have had a chance to infiltrate. But the fact is that they disobeyed that commandment of the Prophet ﷺ and they, lift, they left their position. So only 10 of those archers remained on that hill and Khalid ibn al-Walid he was observing the whole thing and when he saw those 40 archers leave that hill and there were only 10 remaining he knew now that his cavalry of 200 horsemen they could overtake those 10 they would not be able to overtake 50 50 archers no way but now it's only 10 and he has a cavalry of 200 so he knew that now was his opportunity and now he could actually break the security of that line. So he led his cavalry towards that hill. And now there are only 10 men on that hill. The 10 men who strictly were obeying the commandments of the Prophet ﷺ. But 10 archers against 200 horsemen, it was no match. So Khalid and his men were quickly able to kill all 10 of them. And then they came over the hill and they came towards the back side of the Muslim army. They were able to come to the back side of the Muslim army. Now just try to imagine this. The Muslim army had a front side and a back side. The front side, they were the ones who were 
fighting with the flag. And Mus'ab ibn Umair was in the front, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib was in the front, Ali ibn Abi Talib was in the front. That was the front of the battle where the flag was. And then there was the back of the battle. And this is where Khalid ibn al-Walid came towards the back. So when he came and took those Muslims in the back of the army by surprise, there was a big commotion and they started to shout. And the Muslims in the front of the army, they heard that commotion. They heard that shouting. So they were surprised. They were like, what's going on? The battle is over. The kuffar are fleeing in front of us. So what is the commotion in the back of us? The kuffar are fleeing from the front. So what's going on in the back when they heard that commotion? So the people who were in the front of the Muslim army, they started going back to see what was going on in the back. And the people in the back of the Muslim army, they started going forward to escape from the horsemen, to escape from Khalid ibn Walid and his horsemen. So now the people in the front are going back. The people in the back are coming in the front and there is chaos ensues. So the Muslims don't even realize what's going on. They don't even recognize their own people. So they don't know who is a Muslim and who is a Kafir. And chaos ensues. And they start fighting and they start killing people. And Hudhayfa ibn al-Yaman, one of the great companions of the Prophet his father, Yaman, was there in the battlefield as well. And some of the Muslims, they were fighting and they didn't know who is Muslim and who is Kafir. And they started to attack Yaman, who was a Muslim, the father of Hudhayfa And Hudhayfa, he said, Abi, Abi, rahimakumullah, this is my father, this is my father, may Allah have mercy on you, don't attack him. But they didn't realize what was going on and they attacked him and they killed Yaman. He was killed by his own people and it was an accident. And when Hudayfa's father was killed, he said to the people who killed, who killed him, Yaghfirullahu lakum, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive you. He wasn't angry at them because he knew that this was an accident. He knew that they didn't do this on purpose. So he was a man of honor. Even though he saw his own father killed in front of his eyes, he didn't get angry at the people who did it because he knew that it was just an accident. Okay. So now as we said, the front of the army is moving back. The back of the army is moving in the front. They collide with each other. They don't know who is who. And the front of the army, some of the people who were there are now left exposed. And remember who was up there? Mus'ab ibn Umair was up there. And Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. He was in the front of the army. And when the front of the army started going back to see what was going on, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, he was left exposed. He didn't have people around him anymore. And remember, the slave of Jubair ibn Mut'im, Wahshi. It was his sole objective in this battle to kill Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib because Jubair ibn Mut'im who was the owner of Wahshi he gave him an offer he said if you kill the uncle of Muhammad then I will free you you will have your freedom Jubair ibn Mut'im he lost his his own uncle in the battle of Badr so now for revenge for losing his uncle he wanted to kill the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib so he told Wahshi, if you kill Hamza, you have your freedom. Now Wahshi, 
he didn't care about this battle. He didn't care if the Muslims win or if the Kuffar win. That didn't concern him at, at all. The only thing that concerned him was his own freedom. So he made it his only objective in this war to kill Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. So he had, he had tried to keep an eye on him from the beginning of the battle. But he was not able to access him because he always had so many people around him. But now that the people in the front of the army were moving back, Hamza became exposed. And Wahshi, he saw this as his opportunity to finally kill Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu an. And as we mentioned, Wahshi was an, <coughs> was an expert spear thrower. And it was very rare for him to miss his target. So when he saw Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib in the open, and he saw that he would be able to strike him, he threw his spear and he hit Hamza. And the spear pierced the inside of Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu an. But he didn't die immediately. Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, Asadullah, the Lion of Allah, very strong person. So even with the spear inside his body, it went through one part of his body and came out from the other side, but it was still lodged inside him. So the back of the spear was on one side of his body and the front of the spear was on the other side of his body and it was lodged inside him, but he's still alive. And he turns around to see who struck him. And he sees Wahshi and he starts going towards Wahshi. He's still on his horse and he's going towards Wahshi with the spear inside of his body. And Wahshi, he mentions that when I saw Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib coming towards me with that spear still inside him, I saw death with my own eyes. He became very, very scared. Wahshi became very, very scared. He thought even though, he were, even though Hamza has been struck and he has the spear inside him, he's still going to come and he's going to kill me. So he became scared and he froze. He didn't know what to do. And Hamza is coming towards him with his horse. But before Hamza could strike him, Hamza falls down and he dies from that wound. So Wahshi, he goes to the body of Hamza and he sees that his objective has been fulfilled. Hamza is dead. So he pulls his spear out of Hamza's body and he leaves. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted his freedom. And Jubair ibn Mut'im actually did free Wahshi after that. And Wahshi later on, he became a Muslim. But the fact that he killed the beloved uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, it bothered him. Even after he became a Muslim, he was still plagued by the guilt of killing Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib Even though when someone becomes a Muslim, when someone accepts Islam, it erases all of this person's previous sins. So when Wahshi became a Muslim, he was forgiven for killing Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. But still, it bothered him. And he said, the only time I felt relief after killing Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib is when I killed Musaylimah al-Kadhab during the Khilafah of Abu Bakr radiallahu an. And this is after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. During the Khilafah of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, Musaylimah al-Kadhab, he started to gather a following. Musaylimah was a false prophet a person who claimed prophethood after the Prophet Muhammad So Abu Bakr actually sent out an army against him to fight him. And Wahshi was part of that army. And Wahshi is the one who actually 
killed Musaylimah al-Kadhab. So he said, when I killed Musaylimah al-Kadhab, I felt some comfort that maybe this will be an expiation for killing Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. So this was the death of Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, the Lion of Allah and the Lion of the Messenger of Allah. He is known as Sayyidu Shuhada, the leader of the martyrs. And he was one of the most courageous, one of the bravest soldiers of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in. So this was the situation on the battlefield now. Chaos. The kuffar are running away from the front. The Muslims from the front are going in the back. The Muslims from the back are coming in the front. The only people who are organized and know what's going on are these 200 horsemen led by Khalid ibn al-Walid. Khalid ibn al-Walid and his people, they know exactly what's going on. And they are the only ones who are still organized. Everyone else is in chaos. So when the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw that this was the situation and this is what had happened, he wants the Muslim army to come and become organized again. So he actually calls out to the people. The Prophet ﷺ calls out to the people, Ilayya ya ibadallah, Ilayya ya ibadallah, come to me, O servants of Allah. Come to me, O servants of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ calls out to the people. So the Muslims, they hear the voice of Rasulullah ﷺ and they start to go towards him. The kuffar, they also heard the voice of Rasulullah ﷺ and they go towards him as well because they want to attack him specifically. So some of the kuffar are able to come near the Prophet ﷺ and they start to attack him. And there were seven of the Ansar and two of the Muhajireen around the Prophet ﷺ at that time. Seven of the Ansar and two of the Muhajireen. These two Muhajireen are Talha ibn Ubaidillah and Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. And then there are also seven Ansar seven of the people of Medina who are around the Prophet ﷺ. So when the kuffar come close to the Prophet ﷺ to attack him, these people who are around the Prophet ﷺ, these Sahaba, they tried their best to defend the Prophet ﷺ. They were willing to make themselves shields between the kuffar and the Prophet ﷺ. They were willing to use their own bodies as human shields to protect the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. So the Ansar, they're trying to defend the Prophet ﷺ, but the number of kuffar is a lot. And the number of these Sahaba around the Prophet ﷺ, it's only a few, only nine of them around the Prophet ﷺ. So these seven Ansar, they are killed one by one, trying to defend the Prophet ﷺ. So all seven of them died. Now it's only Talha ibn Ubaidullah and Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, these two great men from the Muhajireen who are around the Prophet So Talha ibn Ubaidullah, he's defending the Prophet trying his best to prevent anything from hitting the Prophet And in the process of this defense, two of Talha's fingers are cut off, are cut off. His index finger and his middle finger on his right hand are cut off while he is defending the Prophet but he defended the Prophet ﷺ valiantly, even without these two fingers. 
And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, later on, he said, the day of Uhud, Talha. The day of Uhud, that was the day of Talha. That was the day of Talha ibn Ubaidullah. He showed his courage and he showed his bravery and he showed his love and defense for the Prophet on that day. But again, it's only Talha and Sa'ad who are around the Prophet at that time. Only two people. And the Kuffar, there are a number of people. So Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas, who is from the Kuffar, Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas, who is from the Kuffar, while his brother, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, is from the Muslims, and he is right there defending the Prophet But Utbah, he is able to actually strike the Prophet on his shoulder and on his cheek. He hits the Prophet on his shoulder. And the Prophet he's wearing armor, but still, he was struck very hard on his shoulder. And later on, he mentioned that that injury he had on his shoulder, he could feel the pain of that injury for a month after the battle. So it was a hard hit on his shoulder. And he was also struck in the cheek. And he was bleeding on his cheek. He was struck by Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas, the brother of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. Also from the Kuffar, there was a, an evil man named Abdullah ibn Qami'ah. And he hit the Prophet ﷺ with a stone. And he actually hit the mouth of the Prophet ﷺ and he broke the tooth of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ, his, his lips start, started to swell and his tooth came out and he's bleeding ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ fell down. So they actually attacked the Messenger of Allah personally himself. At this point, when Abdullah ibn Qami'ah hit the Prophet with the stone and his tooth broke and the Prophet fell down to the ground, Abdullah ibn Qami'ah, he started a rumor. He started a rumor. He started shouting out to the people, قَتَلْتُ Muhammad, قَتَلْتُ Muhammad. I killed Muhammad. I killed Muhammad. So this rumor spreads like fire. And the Muslims, they hear this as well. They hear that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has been killed. So it disheartens them and it saddens them. But eventually it gives them renewed energy to fight. They killed the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now let them see what we are going to do to them. So it, it actually renews their energy to go and to fight and to slaughter these kuffar. Anas ibn Nadr radiallahu anhu. And we spoke about him a little bit last week. He was one of the companions who was not present at Badr. And he said that if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam ever fights with the Quraysh again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will see what I do. If the Prophet ever fights with the Quraysh again. So he saw this as his opportunity. So Anas ibn Nadr, when he heard that the Prophet had been killed, he went into the enemy lines and he started killing the kuffar right and left. And he was hit by spears, he was hit by arrows, he was hit by swords. But he fought and fought and fought and he killed a number of them until he was killed himself. Later on, when his body was found, he had 83 wounds all over his body from swords, from arrows, from spears. 
and nobody could even recognize his body. Only his own sister could identify his body by a mark that he had on his finger. Couldn't even recognize his face because he had been hit and wounded so much. But he fought valiantly and he killed a number of the kuffar. So they have this renewed energy and they are fighting against the kuffar thinking that the Prophet ﷺ had been killed. Eventually, they realized that the Prophet ﷺ had not actually been killed and he was alive. So they are overjoyed by this. They're very happy to find out that the Prophet ﷺ is still alive. But the Prophet ﷺ is in danger. The kuffar are around him and they are trying to attack him. So they come to the defense of the Prophet ﷺ. Abu Dujana radiallahu anhu. And you remember Abu Dujana? He is the one who took the sword of the Prophet ﷺ. He came and he became a human shield in front of the Prophet ﷺ. He kept the Prophet ﷺ down and he came in front of the Prophet ﷺ and the kuffar, they're throwing arrows at the Prophet ﷺ, trying to hit the Prophet ﷺ. But Abu Dujana, he stands in between them and in between the Prophet ﷺ. And he has armor, so those arrows, they hit him. So he uses himself as a human shield for the Prophet ﷺ. Mus'ab ibn Umair radiallahu anhu, the flag bearer of the Muslims, he comes and he comes to defend the Prophet ﷺ as well until he is killed as well. And when Mus'ab is killed, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, he takes the flag. So now that Ali radiallahu anhu has the flag and the Muslims have come around the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ orders for a retreat to the mountain of Uhud. The Prophet ﷺ orders for the Muslims to gather around and retreat towards the mountain of Uhud. So the Muslims, they come towards the flag. Ali ibn Abi Talib, now he's holding the flag. And the Muslims, they see the flag and they gather around the flag. And the Prophet ﷺ leads them and they go towards the mountain of Uhud. Khalid ibn al-Walid, he tries to follow them and he tries to attack the Muslims as they go towards Uhud. But the Prophet ﷺ tells Sa'ad, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Irmi ya Sa'ad, fidaka abi wa ummi. Throw the arrows at them ya Sa'ad. May my mother and my father be ransomed for you. So Sa'ad, he takes these arrows and he's an expert. And he, he hits one of Khalid's men with an arrow. The Prophet ﷺ gives him another arrow. He hits the next man. He hits the next man. Every arrow he throws, it hits a man. So Khalid, he has to retreat. Khalid ibn al-Walid, he has to retreat. And this shows that the Prophet ﷺ was actually a better general than Khalid ibn al-Walid because Khalid had to retreat from the Prophet ﷺ. So Khalid retreated with his people. Then Ubay ibn Khalaf, one of the kuffar of the Quraysh who had who had given extreme difficulty to the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca during the Mecca days before the Hijrah. Ubay ibn Khalaf was a man who used to insult the Prophet ﷺ regularly. And Ubay had a horse and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, this is back in Mecca before the Hijrah. So Ubay ibn Khalaf, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, see this horse that I have, I'm feeding it and I'm getting it ready because one day upon this horse, I will kill you, Ya Muhammad. I will be on this horse and I will kill you, Ya Muhammad. 
And the Prophet said, Bal ana sa'aqtuluka insha'Allah. Rather, I will kill you insha'Allah. The Prophet gave this person a warning. I am the one who is going to kill you insha'Allah. So now on the day of Uhud, Ubay ibn Khalaf on that horse, he is coming towards the Prophet because he wants to kill the Prophet The Sahaba, they are around the Prophet now and they want to come in between the Prophet and Ubay. But the Prophet says, let him come. Let him come forward. So he comes forward. And when he is at a close enough distance, the Prophet takes a spear himself. The Prophet with his own blessed hands, he takes a spear himself and he throws it at Ubay ibn Khalaf and he hits him in the neck. And it's not a very deep wound, but he was hit by the Prophet And now Ubay ibn Khalaf, after he is hit, he runs back towards his rank and he starts screaming. He starts screaming and he says, Qatalani Muhammad, Qatalani Muhammad. Muhammad has killed me, Muhammad has killed me. And his friends, they see that wound. They say, it's, it's not a very big wound, don't worry. It's not a very big wound, it will heal. And he said, no, 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 Muhammad hit me. Qatalani Muhammad, Muhammad has killed me. Wallahi, if he were to just spit on me, if he were to just spit on me, I would have died from that. So he knew that the words of the Prophet ﷺ were true words. And Ubay ibn Khalaf actually died from that wound. A little later, Ubay ibn Khalaf died from that wound that the Prophet ﷺ himself inflicted upon him. And this is the only person, Ubay ibn Khalaf is the only person who was killed directly by the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ in these battles, he would be the general and he would be the commander. But... Ubay ibn Khalaf is the only person who was killed by the hands of the Prophet ﷺ himself. So now Khalid and his cavalry have retreated. Ubay has retreated and the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they are climbing the mountain of Uhud. The Prophet ﷺ, he is injured. He's pretty badly injured and he has lost some blood too. So he's pretty weak. So it's difficult for him to climb the mountain. It's difficult for him at this point to actually climb the mountain. But Talha ibn Ubaidillah radiallahu an, this great companion, the companion who Abu Bakr radiallahu an said about Yawm Uhud, about the day of Uhud, ذَلِكَ يَوْمُ Talha. This was the day of Talha. Talha ibn Ubaidullah, he gets down and he tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, climb on my back. I will take you up the mountain. And remember Talha, he also lost two of his fingers. Two of his fingers were cut off. But still, even in this state, he puts his back down and he says, Ya Rasulullah, come on my back. I will take you up the mountain. So the Prophet ﷺ comes on the back of Talha ibn Ubaidullah and they climb the mountain of Uhud. So the Prophet ﷺ and following him, Abu Bakr and Umar, they came onto the mountain. And when the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and Umar came upon the mountain of Uhud, it started to shake. It started to shake. And the Prophet ﷺ addressed the mountain. And he said, Uthbut ya Uhud. Stay firm, O Uhud. Fa'inna alayka nabiyan wa siddiqan wa shahida. The Prophet ﷺ said, Stay firm, O Uhud, because surely upon you there is a Prophet and there is a Siddiq and there is a martyr. 
The Prophet is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself. The Siddiq, the truthful one, is Abu Bakr radiallahu an, and the Shaheed is Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an. And then the mountain, it became firm. So the Prophet and his companions, they were able to climb the mountain of Uhud. And Abu Sufyan and the rest of the Kuffar army, they came and they followed them. But they were not able to reach their height because Sa'ad with his arrows, he is able to throw those arrows at them. So they're not able to come further up the mountain. So with the Muslims above and the Kuffar below, Abu Sufyan, who is the leader of the Kuffar, he addresses the Muslims and he asks them, Afikum Muhammad. At this point, Abu Sufyan doesn't know, is the Prophet ﷺ, is he alive or is he dead? So he calls, he calls up and he says, Afikum Muhammad, is Muhammad amongst you? And the Prophet ﷺ orders his companions to be quiet, don't say anything. And then Abu Sufyan asks, Afikum ibn Abi Quhafa, is the son of Abu Quhafa amongst you? The son of Abu Quhafa, that is Abu Bakr. Afikum ibn Abi Quhafa, is Abu Bakr amongst you? And the Prophet ﷺ commands them to be silent. The third question, Afikum ibn al Khattab, is Umar ibn al Khattab amongst you? The Prophet ﷺ tells them to be silent, don't say anything. So now Abu Sufyan, he didn't hear any answer. So he thinks that the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and Umar, all three of them are dead. And he thinks if these three are dead, then we have defeated them. But when Abu Sufyan says to his people, look, we killed all of them. We killed Muhammad, we killed Abu Bakr, and we killed Umar. And Umar hears this. He cannot control himself any longer. And he says, Allah." Ya hum ahya. Umar says to Abu Sufyan, May Allah humiliate you, O enemy of Allah. All of them are alive. The Prophet Muhammad is alive, and Abu Bakr is alive, and Umar is alive. So then Abu Sufyan says, Okay, Umar, tell me, tell me more about it. And then Umar says, Yes, they are all alive. Muhammad is alive, and Abu Bakr is alive, and Umar is alive. And then Abu Sufyan, he says, Today we have defeated you. Yawmun li yawmi Badr. Today is our day, just like Badr was your day. And Umar ibn al-Khattab, he's very angry at hearing what Abu Sufyan is saying. And then uh, Abu Sufyan, he said, U'lu Hubal. Hubal, that's one of their idols. He said, Hubal is the most high. And then the Prophet says to Umar ibn al-Khattab, aren't you going to answer him? Answer him. And then Umar says, what should I answer him with, Ya Rasulullah? What should I say? He said, say to Abu Sufyan, Allahu a'la wa ajal. Say to him, Allah is the most high and Allah is the most glorious. So Umar radiallahu anhu replies, Allahu a'la wa ajal. And then Abu Sufyan, he says, Lana Uzza Wala Uzza Lakum. Abu Sufyan says, We have Uzza. Uzza is another one of their idols. So he says, We have Uzza and you do not have Uzza. And then the Prophet tells Umar ibn Khattab to say, Allahu Mawlana Wala Mawla Lakum. So Umar ibn Khattab he says, 
Allahu Mawlana Wala Mawla Lakum. Allah is our guardian and our protector, and you have no guardian and no protector. Then Abu Sufyan he tells the Muslims that the bodies of their brothers, the bodies of the Muslims, they're on the battlefield and they have been mutilated. And Abu Sufyan says, I didn't order them to mutilate the bodies, but they mutilated the bodies and I really don't care. So the bodies of the Muslims were mutilated on that day, including the body of Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet Hind bint Utbah, whose family members were killed on the day of Badr. She went to the body of Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib and she actually cut open his stomach and she took out his liver. She had said that she's going to eat his liver, but she was not able to eat it, but she threw it on the ground and she cut off his ears and she cut his nose. So this is what these kuffar did to the bodies of the Muslims. And this is something that's very dishonorable. Even if you're fighting in a war and you kill people in the war, you don't mutilate the bodies. But this is the level that these kuffar of the Quraysh had reached. They mutilated the bodies. So Abu Sufyan, he mentioned this. He said, they mutilated the bodies. I didn't order them to do it, but I don't have a problem now that they did it. So this was the end of the battle of Uhud. The Muslims lost 70 men on that day. And the kuffar, they lost 37. So 70 Muslims died on the day of Uhud and 37 kuffar died on that day. It was not a complete victory for the kuffar because they were not able to take over Medina. And we'll speak about that next week, inshallah, why they were not able to continue on and take over Medina. So it was not a complete victory for the kuffar, but it was not a victory for the Muslims either. But the Muslims definitely suffered more casualties than the kuffar on that day. And there are many lessons that the Muslims learned on that day. Inshallah, next week we'll speak about why the kuffar were not able to complete the battle and go into Medina and take over Medina. And we'll speak about some of the lessons that the Muslims learned from the difficulties that they faced on Uhud. Inshallah, we'll speak about that next week. Bi-idhnillah. Wallahu a'lam. Sallallahu wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.